Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How are we? Good? Good. Um, this morning we're going to wrap up um, a lot of the thinking that we've been doing over the course of the last month. Um, we started at the end of this little uh, miniseries, which is how uh, one of my friends thought you pronounced miniseries when she saw it on Netflix, miniseries, fun. Um, this little miniseries, um, we started at the end by thinking about how we want to walk worthy of our calling. We thought about what walking worthy means, we thought about what our calling is, and we set out some goals, and our goal is to be like Jesus. And we set out some sub-goals along with that too that could help us to achieve um, our goals. And then we talked about um, three dimensions of grace which kind of line up with those goals and sub-goals. We talked about how our calling is that we're called into God's family through adoption and that matches up with unconditional acceptance grace. Uh, We talked about how God gives each one of us gifts that we can use for the benefit of other people and those are tailored to you. Your calling is unique to you and that matches up with the empowerment grace. And we talked about how um, when we're doing those things that uh, can help us to live holy lives like Jesus did um, and that matches up with like the cleanse from sin dimension of grace. And this week we're gonna wrap everything up by looking at the parable of the friend in the night. And you can find that parable in Luke chapter 11. Uh, We're gonna be looking at verses five through to 13. If you've got a Bible with you today, um, now's a good time to look that up. But if you don't, no problem. The words are gonna be up on the screen as I read them. Um, I do want to tell you that uh, this, um, this was Jamie's idea. And it's a really good idea. And I love it especially because she seems to just be following in the model of what Jesus did where he'll teach a dude a bunch of stuff and then he'll help it to make sense to them by telling a parable. So it looks like yet again when Jesus and Jimmy team up, it is an absolute belter. So I'm very excited. Um, We're gonna pick up the story and where we pick it up, Jesus has just finished teaching a dude how to pray um, with his model prayer. And then he goes on to elaborate a little bit about what our attitude and our expectations can be when we pray. So let's start reading um, in verse five. It says, Jesus also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, uh, let me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. And then he will answer from inside and say, don't don't bother me. I mean, uh, the, the door's already locked and like me and my children have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and will give him as much as he needs. 
So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, this week, I did a little bit more thinking about the whole like giving and receiving piece that we talked about uh, last week, and I added asking into the mix. Um, a few of us spent uh, the week on North Uist, and uh, I was there, and we were there with a squad of Americans and Hebridean Islanders and a Rehope contingent, and because Rehope, there was a bunch of Northern Irish people there, and it was a fun mix. Americans do things differently to us, and us city dwellers do things differently to the island folk, and it's fun, but like Americans, yeah, they, they do things differently. And they do things differently in the giving and receiving and asking department. Here's a little example. So Glasgow City Airport is about 20 minutes from where we live. And when Jamie and I fly back into Glasgow City Airport, we have our little routine. You get off the plane, you get your bag, then you go and get some milk at the little Tesco's. And then you get on the Glasgow app and you book your taxi and they're like, have you picked up your bags yet? And you're like, yes, I've picked up my bags yet. And then you wait for like 15 minutes for a dude to show up. And then you listen for 15 minutes to a dude rant about having to pay four pounds for the car parking fee thing. Do you like robbery, by the way? And you're like, yeah, I know, mate, crazy. And by that time, you're nearly home. And then you're home and it's great. Portland International Airport is about 45 minutes from where Jimmy and I lived. And uh, when we flew back into Portland, we'd kind of have the same routine minus the, the little Tesco's. And this time it would be like grab an Uber home. So you get your, off the plane, you get your bags, you get in line to wait for the Uber. And it's 45 minutes in an Uber, so it's at least $50. And then you get home. And you'd be chatting to your friend the next day, and you'd be like, oh, they'd be like, oh, you got back. Great, great to see you, because Americans are so friendly all the time. And then you're like, yeah, mate, got back in like, at like half seven. Oh, 7.30? Got back in at 7.30 last night. And, oh, but mate, like getting an Uber was wild. Like, we had to wait for ages. Like we didn't get home until like 11 o'clock at night. And they'd be like, dude, you should have asked me to come and pick, I would have come to pick you up. You should have asked me to pick you up. And it took us a minute to figure this out, but we figured it out. And we figured out that like people were kind of like insulted that we didn't ask them to pick us up from the airport. Like Drew. If somebody asked you to pick you up from, or if somebody asked, you would say yes, right? An honor. See, it's an honor. Drew's visiting from Portland. He knows all about the drive uh, to PDX. So, yeah, it's like an honor. Like, I want to do a kind thing for you, and by you getting an Uber, you're robbing me of the honor of doing a kind thing for you. Like, you're robbing me of the opportunity to show you kindness. That is the opposite of how I think. It would not cross my mind in a million years to ask someone <laughs> to pick me up for the airport and pay four pounds for the privilege. That is daylight robbery, by the way. 
It just wouldn't cross my mind. In Portland, there's just this unspoken rule that friends don't let friends get Ubers home from the airport. But I was a stranger in a strange land. And I got an Uber home from the airport. It's, it's I don't know, we just work different. And people would think, like, why didn't you let me pick you up? You should have called me. I would have picked you up. I thought we were friends. They wouldn't say that. But it's something along those lines. We do just work differently. And we work differently with the giving and the receiving, even giving and receiving kindness. We work differently. We work differently with asking. Uh, Laura Campbell, who is the lead pastor of this church's location in the West End, was also one year And she taught the Americans a very Northern Irishy way to respond to someone's offer of kindness. And that is to tell them, don't be stupid. <laughs> like, don't be stupid. You showing me kindness, I receive that as your stupidity. <laughs> and those guys had gotten used to Jamie and me over the course of our time there, so they find it like hilariously brutal. But we are so bad at like giving and receiving and asking for stuff. Like so bad at receiving someone's kindness that it just means for me that I don't even ask. I wouldn't want to put you out. I wouldn't want to be an inconvenience to you. I would rather spend $50 on an Uber than maybe even open myself up to the possibility of being an inconvenience to you. Now look, this parable doesn't directly translate to Northern Ireland because there's no way that someone from Northern Ireland would ask to borrow or like ask anything of somebody at midnight. We just wouldn't do it. Also, there is no way that any self-respecting Northern Irish person would run out of bread. <laughs> like, we probably have got three cupboards full of bread, never mind three loaves. Like, somebody comes in unannounced on a journey and says, can I stay with you? And we'd be properly like that and be like, oh, uh, yes, oh, sure, come on in. Uh, you must be tired, come on in. Uh, I know, I know, here, listen. Oh, me? Uh, yeah, I've been in bed since half nine, but sure, don't worry about me, I don't need to sleep. You come in, uh, you must be hungry. I know whenever I'm traveling, sure, I'm always hungry, I'm always starving. Sure, what do you want, white or brown? We pan loaf, I love wee pan loaf, I love the crust in a wee pan loaf. What about, uh, I've got a wee bit of fruit bun, do you want a fruit bun or a wee pancake? We bit of pancake with butter, don't worry about me, I don't need anything, you sure you can have it? Will I fry you up a wee soda? You can take my room, you stay in my bed, I'll sleep on the doorstep. That's the way Northern Irish people work. There's no way we'd run out of bread. And because if this parable was Northern Irish, that person would say, no, 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 I don't need anything. And then they would be presented with a mountain of bread anyway. And that's the way that that would go. If this parable was me, it doesn't work for Northern Ireland, but if it was me, there is no way that I would ask somebody at midnight for anything. I don't think that I would even send them a text and hope that like, well, maybe their do not disturb will be on. So if they get it, it means they're up and that's fine. But if their do not disturb on, they won't get it and it won't be a hassle to anybody. I wouldn't even send a text. I, w I, just, I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want to put anybody out. I wouldn't want to be a hassle. My dudes. Don't believe the lie that you shouldn't even ask. Don't do it. Or maybe I'll put this Northern Irishly, if I may. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Jesus is teaching people to pray. And the assumption is that you will pray. And the assumption is that you will ask. And when we ask, we should have high expectations that God will provide based on the grace that he has shown us. Now, in this parable... Jesus switches up 
the relational focus uh, when he starts to tell the parable and when he starts to apply it. When he's telling the parable, he starts off by talking about the relationship between friends and what expectation friends can have on each other. There are a bunch of examples that are gonna be up on the screen and they're highlighted in black, all talking about friends and what expectations you can have of your friends. But then whenever he goes to apply it, he switches to talking about family relationships, namely the father and the children. And he's setting out that those expectations between friends and the expectation between a father and children are different. The expectations that you can have on your father are higher and stronger. And he does, there's a little example on, the, on, the, on your left of an example of when he does talk about father and children in the telling. And he sprinkles that little bit of foreshadowing in there just to set up the contrast. Because in the telling of the story, the guy who is being woken up by his friend says, I can't help you because of his family. You can have different expectations on your family than you can have on your friends. They are higher expectations. I think it is reasonable for someone to say, I need to look, I, need, I, I want my children to be my priority. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. You can have high expectations on your family. That makes sense. I love that Jesus puts that in there. He is a very good storyteller, and I love him for that. Look, if you have given your life to Jesus, you have been adopted into God's family, and you can have those family, father, children, expectations on God. You've got that unconditional acceptance, grace. And this parable sets out some examples of the sorts of expectations that you can have on God when you pray because you are his kid. And that is really good news for us, because for us, Asking means receiving, and seeking means finding, and knocking means the door is gonna get opened. God isn't like people, he is way, way better. He is way better to his children, he is good to his children. And one of the ways that he is good to his children is by having our well-being and providing for our well-being among his priorities. I say among, we're not his only priority, but we are among his priorities. So that sounds really great. And that makes me want to give myself, Jimmy is good at giving me feedback, but I'm gonna give myself a little bit of feedback this week and I'm gonna be, be thinking, why do I word things so negatively all the time? Why am I so negative all the time? Like, why am I telling you about a lie you shouldn't believe whenever I could be giving you a truth that you can hang on to? So here's a truth, like beloved son or daughter of the most high God, your father has your well-being among his priorities and you can expect him to be willing and able to provide for them need you only ask so ask we can expect god to provide when we ask because we are his children and he's good to his children so since we have a god who is this able and this willing to provide not asking well that's kind of insulting <laughs> Isn't it? Like, I, I think in this respect, like my friend's attitude to the airport run is a lot closer to God's heart than my attitude to the airport run. If I say I don't want to be a hassle to God and I project onto him that he thinks that I'm a hassle when in fact he loves me, that doesn't represent him very well at all. I think that is kind of insulting to him. But insulted, mm, that's a strong word. Um, are we sure that we insult God? Let's think about this, like is he mad at us? 
I don't think he's necessarily mad at us. I think it's more like these words um, that Jesus said through tears that you can find in Matthew 23. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing so not mad, but like sad. Do you know, like I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. I'm kidding. I'm sure there is an element of frustration though in God watching his children make immature choices, especially when there is so much good on offer. So here's something we can do. Let's match God's willingness to give with our willingness to ask. He is good and we can rely on him to be good. So ask, because if you ask, you'll receive, like that's a promise. But a really surface level reading of that promise kind of makes it sound like we can just ask God for anything that we want and then he has to do it. So what about when our prayers aren't answered yet? Like what about that? What happens then? Now note that um, our guy in the parable and the children when Jesus applies the parables are all asking for sensible things. I'm sure God would have a very different answer if his children were gonna come to him and ask for a snake or a scorpion. But they're asking for sensible things. And look, we are members of God's family and we are learning to want the family things. And that happens as we become more like Jesus by being cleansed from sin, including the purification of our desires. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And that's something that humans who follow Jesus go through. Um, It's just part of the human deal. Here's something I read for Bible Read Through a couple of weeks ago that it just got me. It's from Hebrews 5, and it's talking about Jesus' role as our high priest. It says, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And the thing that got me there was that Jesus was heard because of his reverence. And maybe you think like, okay, he's Jesus and he was completely righteous. And then yes, yes, he he was. And therefore he was reverent and therefore he was heard. Even as a human, Jesus shared a special family connection with the father. But even still, he learned this as a person. He was reverent, which he learned through obedience, which he did perfectly, but he learned it through obedience. He was under the same conditions as a person that we are under as people. He was Jesus and he had a pure, holy, godly character and that made his prayers effective. There are things about our characters that can make our prayers effective. And when they are evident in our lives, our prayers are more effective. So when we ask for things, we want to do it with pure hearts, motivated to do good things for the benefit, usually for the benefit of other people. And when we ask, we want to ask for good things. A godly character does make our prayers more effective. I mean, look at the dude in the parable. Let's, let's see him. He asks, right? But when he asks, it doesn't go well for him, at least not straight away. So what's up there? He gets told, don't bother me. He gets told, you're too late. He gets told, I'm looking out for me and my own. He gets told a straight up, I can't help you. So what's up with that? 
Well, yes, there are things in our character that make our prayers more effective, but we shouldn't mistake effective for immediate all the time. And we shouldn't mistake effective for easy all the time. Those things aren't the same thing because there will be times when we experience a delay in our prayers being answered. And when that happens, there are things we can do. And the first one is reminding yourself not to give up. Instead of giving up, there are some things we can do. Here up on the screen is a little thought process that we can use when our prayers haven't been answered yet. First up, think, is there anything I need to repent of? How's my godly character? Is there any unrepented sin that might be standing in the way of my prayers being less effective? And if there is, repent. And if there's not, that's okay. Let's think about what's next. Do I need to adjust my ask? Am I asking for something that God wouldn't want for me? or that's not gonna be helpful for me in this moment? And if the answer to that is yes, well, have a think about that, and if you need to adjust your ask, adjust your ask. But if you're asking for something good, and if you're asking for something with good motives, then seems like you're good on that front, so let's think about what's next. Do I need to be patient? Like, is this a thing that I can leave in the Lord's hands and trust him with? And if yes, then cool, choose faith, choose hope, and wait patiently for the Lord to answer your prayers. But if you're gonna answer that question with a no, like this is an urgent thing and I need an answer to this prayer now, then we've gotta move on and we'll move on to the last thing. Like, do I need to just keep asking? Like, is there a persistence factor at, at play here? And if there is, then keep praying, choose faith, don't give up. Like it's probably gonna be one of these four things and as you work your way down, then you'll probably figure out which thing it is. And if you get to the end, then you keep praying and more prayer is, I mean, rarely a bad thing. So I haven't even given you a no option to answer that question. If you get to that point, the option is keep praying. And when we pray, we do it as unconditionally accepted members of God's family. And we remember that God wants to do good things for his children, so we ask and we ask and we ask again. We're gonna ask with cleanse from sin, motives and desires, and we're gonna ask and we're gonna ask and we're gonna ask again. But as you reflect, like in the future, if you see a moment where your prayers are not being answered yet, if you reflect and you think, oh, I need some extra cleanse from sin grace, it's good to repent and it's good to receive that. But as you go through that, you'll figure out what it is and what you should do, just, just by way of uh, a little bit of practice because practice makes perfect, eh? Let's practice with our guy from the parable. So is there anything that he needs to repent of? Well, we don't have like a whole bunch of information as to the state of his heart. We can just look at his motives for what he's asking for here. Like his motives seem good, like they seem great. He, he's motivated out of kindness and hospitality. He's willing to put himself out there. He also was probably woken up at midnight and put in the same position that he's put in his friend, but he's willing to go out there and see what he can do to help his motives seem good. So that's great. Does he need to adjust his ask? Is he asking for a good godly thing? Yes, he's asking for a good godly thing because he needs something practical so he can show hospitality um, to these people who are on, who are on the journey. Does he need to be patient? Well, it seems to him like this is a pretty urgent thing. These dudes are tired, these dudes are hungry, they need something now so he can't wait. So does he need to just keep going? Yeah, it seems like he just needs to keep going. He needs to not give up and he needs to be resilient in his ask. And thanks to God's grace, we can, uh, 
our expectations can be high in prayer. Like we can expect God to provide when we ask because our prayers are effective. We have the righteousness of Jesus given to us as our foundation and he is purifying our desires and he is building like prayer resilience in us. That's great. Look, there can be things that stand in the way of our prayers being answered straight away that we can't really do anything about. But there are some times that we can do something about it. And this is a good way to think, think through that because the other option is to lose faith and quit and give up. And that's exactly what the enemy would want. Because you know sometimes where you have those seasons where you need to be persistent in prayer. And even, like if you choose persistence, like the expectation of God answering builds. And then when the answer comes, it just feels like so much more wonderful and glorious that God has answered your prayers. And the enemy does not want that for you. <laughs> the enemy wants you to lose faith and give up. And he is going to attack your hope and your faith in those like little vulnerable moments when your prayers haven't been answered yet. So we need to fight back. And we can fight back by remembering that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit in that moment and God's power is stronger than the power of the enemy and just look at what Jesus promises the good father will give to those who ask. Verse 13 shows us that God will give the whole, like the generous heavenly father will give much more than any other father, the Holy Spirit when we ask him. And our guy demonstrates like empowerment grace that he has received to be persistent in his ask until the answer and the answer that he wanted comes so what is that empowerment grace expressed as in this example well jesus says it was his shameless boldness in asking shameless is an insult word the way we use it it's usually that somebody is doing something that's not particularly socially acceptable and everybody is cringing at them but they don't realize it so they keep doing it and the cringe gets cringier so is Jesus saying that we should keep going and keep being a pain in the neck and just make the prayers cringier and cringier until God can't handle it anymore and gives in? <laughs> that doesn't really sound like the Jesus and the God that I know. It doesn't really sound like that's what... Uh, that's, that's what we should do. Although that is kind of always how I've read this parable, that a dude just bangs on the door and will not stop until his body is like, fine, take the bread, never speak to me again. Do you know? That's not, <laughs> that's not the way I see it now, because this week, uh, Jimmy was talking to me about this parable, and she saw things completely differently to how I'd always read it. She didn't see Jesus' advice as be a pain in the neck until God gives in. She saw the shameless boldness thing in a completely positive light. She saw that our guy knew his friend. Like you don't be shamelessly bold with people that you don't know. You tend to be shamelessly bold with people that you do know. And our guy knew his friend and he thought, right, this is the guy I know him, I respect him, I love him, I know his character, I know the things that he's about, I know that he is someone who is prepared and will have bread in the house, I know that he is some, someone, like he knows me, we trust each other, look, um, I know that he can put up with a little bit of inconvenience with me, he can be patient with that, I know that um, he probably shares like the same hospitality value, I know that he's going to want to do what is right, so our, our guy goes to him. 
shamelessly boldly at midnight to ask for the thing. Do you know, when we ask someone to do something for us, I think I'm going to be an inconvenience to you. But Drew thinks it's an honor to be asked. Like that's just like a little cultural difference. And Jamie helped me to see that this week as well, that when you ask someone to do something for you, it's like you're affirming the godly character things in them because you know that they are the person that's gonna help you. It's like, hear me, um, look, we're friends and everything, and I know that a little bit of inconvenience for your friends is no inconvenience to you at all. I know you're kind. I know you're generous with your time. Would you mind picking me up at the airport on Tuesday? And look, I know it's midnight, but like, I know you're a good dude and we're friends, and I know um, that you'll prepare, and I know you can help me out. Like, can, can I get a lend of three loaves of bread? It's a compliment to be asked. There's a lot of honor, and there's a lot of encouragement and, and honor in that. Like, I've written down the word honor. I'm really glad that you used that word too. Um, there's a lot of honor in being asked. So when our dude goes to his friend, it's not because he thinks I need to wear like this like greedy, like selfish man down into a powder. No, it's because he thinks this is a guy who's gonna help me. Maybe last week, uh, some of you met Anna and Emily who were guests with us from New York. Um, they wound up here because they were doing one of those like American style vacations around Europe until Anna broke her ankle on Sky and they ended up in Glasgow via Inverness with uh, the crutches and all that. And our buddy Keithan, who lives in New York, put us in touch with them, actually on a group FaceTime and said, can these girls stay with you? And like, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, like Keithan knows that we like hosting people and he's like, I have people in Glasgow and I know that they're the people for you. And of course we said yes, like of course we did. And actually it was fine because Jamie and I were gonna be in US the whole time that they were gonna be staying so they had the place to themselves and it was fine, no problem at all. One problem. The problem is that Jamie and I only have one uh, spare set of bedclothes because all of our earthly possessions are still in a shipping container somewhere on the surface of this planet, hopefully quite close to here. And I was sleeping in one of those on that night. So then it's like, I don't have time to like wash these and put them back on, like what am I gonna do? And like my initial way of like, I don't want to put anybody out would be to go to like Maryhill Tesco's and buy a set of bed sheets. Like even if I have to like get the rest of the house tidied up because you have to tidy the house before your guests come. Oh my goodness, or else Jamie's gonna like never speak to you again. So I'm tired of like Mary Hill Tesco's like in the middle of the night, okay, I'm going to put them on. And I just thought, no, like, hang on, hang on a minute. Who do I know? Who do I know who is kind, values hospitality, is likely to have a spare set of bed sheets, and who am I going to see tomorrow at church? Kim and Cam. So I text Cameron, and of course, like, he helped. Of course he did. And I knew that if I text Cameron, he would help. And... He did, it was great. I didn't text him at midnight, it was 8.23, but it's still like not that long between 8.23 and bedtime and then getting up and coming to church. It wasn't like loads of time and I didn't have to shamelessly boldly wear him down, but for me, that shameless boldness looked like a text message. I am not naturally inclined to ask for help. I'm naturally inclined to go to Maryhill Tesco but asking for help for me was like me taking my first baby steps 
into shameless boldness. And it was just like, actually like so freeing that they said yes. And uh, actually, Kim, we're gonna hang on to those for another week because Jamie's brother is coming to stay. If that's okay with you, that would be great. Fun, nice one. Shameless boldness, maybe it's gonna look a little bit different than we were expecting. There may be a persistence factor in that, but it might just be that you go and you ask straight away and that's the thing because it doesn't actually say that our guy asked a bunch of times. That's how I've always imagined it. Or maybe because I'm from Northern Ireland and if you ask somebody, do you want something, they always say no and you have to ask again. So the whole like asking multiple times is built into me. Do you know, I think like that's, I'm Irish. The Father Ted, do you want a cup of tea joke is like very true and like permeates all aspects of my life. Anyway, so it doesn't say he asked a lot of times. It does say he asked once and it says that because of his shameless boldness, which I interpreted as being a pain in the neck. Maybe it's just like he asked once and a dude is like, no, I can't help you. And he gets into bed and he's like, he wouldn't have come here at midnight if he didn't really need help. Okay, fine. And off he goes. Maybe the shameless boldness just looks like one ask. That's fun. Shameless boldness works in human to human relationships. But here Jesus is talking about prayer and talking to God and a human to God relationship. How does that work? Well, uh, Jamie was also talking to me about Colossians 4 and something she read uh, this week. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert with it. At the same time, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us to the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So here we can see a link between shameless boldness and prayer with evangelism. Do you know evangelism starts with prayer? Of course it does. And it requires us to be motivated by having tasted the goodness of being in God's family to want to make outsiders, as Paul calls them, into into insiders so that they can taste that unconditional acceptance. And that's just the sort of thing that God does all the time. You know, he's calling people who once were not my people, my people. He does it all the time. And because we've tasted that and we want to be a part of what God's doing, we want to be like shamelessly bold in our evangelism. Does that mean we'd be a pain in the neck to people until they give in and put their lives in in Jesus' hands? Probably not. That means that we are acting graciously in our actions and in our speech. That means we want to demonstrate the goodness of God. It requires like being cleansed from sin. It requires being like empowered to be shamelessly bold in demonstrating the mystery of Christ revealed through action, but more importantly, through words. Your actions will provide a good foundation for the words where you tell people the truth about Jesus or your actions will back up what you said in the past, but without your words, I and mean, actions can be interpreted any which way, it's your words and telling people out loud the goodness of God that is really going to make the difference. But if you're paying the neck, hoping that they're gonna give in, that's probably not going to work. Your shameless boldness looks like always being gracious and speaking kindly and wisely to people to show them the mysteries of God. Shameless boldness in evangelism requires 
grace and we have received that grace. We have everything we need to do that and to keep going in it when things are difficult. I mean, Paul says that he's in chains for goodness sake and he still wants to keep going. So when we need help, stepping into human to human relationships with shameless boldness helps. That also applies to evangelism, you know, it applies through the boldness of actually saying stuff and the persistence piece, which, which is um, going to be key here, persistently kind and gracious and wise in how we speak and act. Like we're not gonna be effective in evangelism by being cringy all the time, but by being gentle and persistently bold, speaking out the way that Paul describes, that's gonna be something that's gonna be really effective. Applies to human to human relationships, it also applies when we approach God in prayer. Look, do you ever find yourself saying no to something in the moment, only to go away and think about it and then realize that you can't actually say yes to that? It's something that I do more than I would like to. It's something that bugs me about me that I would think, oh, that's not my immediate expectations or that's not my immediate thought on that thing, so I'm gonna say no. Then you go away and think about it and you're like, oh, actually, they've got a point. Jimmy can confirm. Anyway, so I do that thing and it bugs me about me. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to say yes to stuff quickly. And maybe like the guy in the parable could have done with saying yes a little bit quicker. Sometimes humans act like that. But what we see from God, what we see our expectations can be because he is our father, higher expectations that he will say yes and he will say yes quickly, assuming that we're asking for sensible things. <laughs> assuming we're asking for sensible things. Do you know, when we go, when we go to God and he answers, do you know, Cameron Herbert is a, a lot like God, that he answered yes straight away and it was really helpful and it really blessed me and I appreciate that. And do you know, we have talked about a number of reasons why there might be a little bit of delay in our prayers being answered, but we've talked about what we can do in those moments. Um, but that's not something that we should hold against God. And, and unfortunately, that is something that happens for people when they've been praying for something and God hasn't answered yet and they do, um, they do get angry at him. It's not something we want to hold against God. We want to remember that God is good. So although persistence in prayer is something that um, is a good thing to do if that's the play, we can do shameless boldness with God the same way that we do shameless boldness with people where you know this is the person that I can ask who's gonna help me. We can go to God knowing that he is the one who is going to help us. That's shameless boldness in prayer. And it looks like we know God. So we know what we can ask him for. We know what sorts of things he likes and we know a bunch of reasons why he could answer us and would answer us. Like think about the way we do shameless boldness and approaching God at the end of pre-service prayer when we declare out reasons why God would answer our prayers. We can approach him boldly and say, answer my prayers because you are good. Answer my prayers because you are good and you give good things to your children. Answer my prayers because you promised if we ask for anything in Jesus' name, you'll give. I believe you tell the truth, so I hold you to your word. I believe and you can have high expectations, you can declare and you can approach God um, shamelessly, boldly and declaring who he is, that gives you confidence that you can approach him. Look, thanks to God's grace, we can expect him to provide when we ask and when we ask with shameless boldness. It's fun, it's fun. So choose shameless boldness, it's, it's good. But let me leave you with this. That guy borrowed three loaves. Like that's what he asked for. He wanted a land of three loaves. I'm assuming he gave three loaves back after the next time he went to the bakery. 
So how we respond when God answers our prayers is also important. And we can choose shameless boldness in that too. Like you can tell your stories of answered prayers. You can get them out there and that like encourages people to pray more, like fills us with hope and faith and it's good. And like our share times are tight. So I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here, do you know? But if you are someone who thinks I don't really want to take the microphone, I don't really like talking in front of a bunch of people, maybe a fun way for you to do this and would be to join in with 40 Days of Answered Prayer, which is a project that our church is doing um, in September, where we're going to have a story of answered prayer every day and then a little like fill yourself with hope because of this testimony, here's how you can give your prayers a little boost because of that. Even if you are someone who likes to take the microphone, this would be a really good thing for you to do as well. Rehope Church is doing this, and our goal for the Southside location is to have 15 stories of answered prayer. And yo, our share times are tight, so I know we've got the stories, and you could really bless this church, I don't know, and beyond, with your story of answered prayers this week. Take some time to think it through, write it down. There's gonna be an email address up on the screen later in the service, send it there. Um, and that way you can think, oh no, maybe I'll say it like this and give it a little edit and like think it through. So, and then that's actually like good homework for the next time you want to tell it to someone in real life because you've thought it through already and that can make the nerves go away. Really helpful, really helpful thing to do. Um, if you have, and I say if very loosely, I know we have the stories. If you have a story of answered prayers, we would love for you to share it with us. Now that project is happening in September, but there's a bunch of stuff that we need to do in, in the in-between to get that ready. So we are looking for the stories now. So this week, take some time, write it down and send it our way. And you can bless people, testify to God's goodness. You can share and raise other people's expectations that God hears and answers our prayers because of his grace and because, he, and because he's class, like he's just really good. Anyway, got a couple of challenges for you today. Um, every day this week, ask for grace, including raised expectations of God in prayer and ask for shameless boldness in prayer, like, and do that as part of your Jesus times every day this week. Like, step into that by praying for things that you think normally I would be, like, hesitant to even ask for. Number two, if you are experiencing a season where you're waiting for a prayer to be answered and it hasn't been answered yet, like, use that process that we talked about earlier um, to see if you can figure out what your next steps are going to be. Like, identify, like, maybe if there's a roadblock that you can, like, uh, that you can address in your heart or in your practice or whatever that is so that you can move forward in hope and faith and expectations of God. And number three, um, send us a story. Send us a story of your answer prayers and like bless like this church and beyond. Um, fun. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're going to move into a season, a season, I've said season so many times, we're gonna move into a time of response but uh, let me pray for us first. God, we love you and we say thank you that you're here with us and you see us and you know us, you know what we need before we even ask and that is not going to stop us from asking. You're a good God and a good father and we're so blessed and thankful to have a God and a father as wonderful as you. Like we need you, we recognize that we need you, but we know that your power is like infinitely better than we can ever hope and dream and you can do more than we can ever imagine. 
So God, raise our expectations. Grant us grace to have our expectations raised. God, we, we can never get them high enough. You're wonderful. We love you so much.